I sort of shifted from, oh, I'm just lucky to have a job. I'll just keep my head down and work to, well, I have like a lot of good things to say in this space and not everybody might want to hear them, but the people that do will find me and I'll find them. Bethany Braun Silva's first pregnancy inspired her to kick off her writing career in the parenting space, and she quickly realized she had unique stories and content to share with parents across the country. From being the editor of Parenting.com to more recently leading strategy at What to Expect, Bethany's career story is full of perseverance, grit, and positive thinking. You're about to hear how Bethany climbed the ranks throughout the years and the different ways 2020 encouraged her to slow down and find balance. Coming up, you'll hear how Bethany made her mark in the media industry and some stories from her early days, how the pandemic impacted her role at parenting.com, her proudest moment from the past year, and why she is approaching 2021 with a different attitude. Her learnings that when something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. The importance of carving out time to pursue your passions outside of work. How Bethany is positioning herself as a thought leader on Clubhouse and how you can get started too. The value of raising your kids as they are rather than as you want them to be. And finally, why you should go after what drives you. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Bethany, I am so excited to chat with you today about your incredible career and entrepreneurship journey. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I've actually been a fan of this podcast for a long time. And, you know, obviously I love, you know, you and everything you represent. So it's awesome to be here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And I was excited. We actually got connected through past podcast, Mama Pranista guests of ours, the ladies from the Momtourage podcast. So they connected us and we had a call a couple of months ago now and time just flies. And here we go. Here's our, here's our recording day. And I can't wait for our audience to get to hear your story and journey. So I would love for you to share a little background about yourself and your career journey, because you have had quite the exciting career in the in the media space. Yeah, I guess it has been exciting. You know, looking back, I I was obviously I was young, but I felt old. <laughs> so I started my career, my media career, my writing, editing career after I already actually when I got pregnant. So I was 26 years old when I got pregnant with my first child. I kind of didn't know what I was going to be doing, where I was going to land. Mommy blogging has kind of just like hit like a peak and was really exploding. And I thought, well, I've always liked writing. I've enjoyed writing. I Let me see if I can monetize the fact that I'm pregnant. <laughs> Right. So, so yeah, so I did that and I started working for smaller local blogging, like mommy blogs in New York city, but you know, things to do with your kids. And it wasn't that deep. It was basically just like fun things to do, things to see. And then just one thing led to another. I, I decided this is actually a real passion of mine, you know, blending my professional and personal life as a mom. And I just got job after job, um, you know, just 
worked for another, a larger, but yet still small parenting company, worked there as a community manager, and then worked, you know, on the build team for understood.org, which is a website to help parents and kids with learning differences like ADHD or dyslexia. And then just sort of, you know, was in that space. I freelanced for a while for, again, different mommy websites like Mommy Poppins, Red Tricycle, Cafe Mom. And then, oh, then I landed at Big Apple Parent, which is again, a local publication here in New York City. Same kind of thing. It was all really just like events, things to do, the sites, new museum openings, galleries, all things for parents with kids in New York City was laid off from there in 2018, sort of bounced around into entertainment media, decided that was absolutely not for me. (laughs) That sort of tabloid journalism was not my vibe. And then randomly just like out one night at a journalism event, you know, kind of just like another just opening here in New York City, I met someone who worked at Meredith and and just one thing led to another. And I, they were relaunching parenting.com to become an e-com site. They had shuttered the print publication and they were looking to someone to come on and write a bunch of content. And I was just happened to be in the right place at the right time through my name in the ring. And that worked out. And I worked there for about a year or so is just like a writer, but also I took on social media. I had a, I was really ideated a bunch of stuff for them and then eventually became the editor of that site. And that I did up until last, the beginning of this month, actually, I think March 12th was my last day there. And on March 22nd, I am starting a senior uh, content strategist at whattoexpect.com, which has been, it's just incredible where it's taken me to this point. Could you even have imagined looking back to when you were 26 years old and just starting out in this career that you essentially created for yourself that now you would become this managing editor of such a well-known and respected publication? No, I really couldn't. You know, I thought, and I will say at that same time, I, I did want to explore journalism and and I was writing for small websites, as I mentioned, and I had actually applied to graduate school to as journalism school and got rejected. So I was like, well, you know, I'll just take this as far as I can go. But clearly, like, I, I maybe I don't have what it takes. But the nature of journalism and, you know, writing what it is now and people really just want, you know, a familiar face, someone they can relate to. I think that's what's really helped me. So take me back to those early days when you were just starting out working for those initial publications. How did you get those opportunities? Because when you're talking about it, it makes it seem like, oh, it's just so easy. I just started writing for these publications. But, you know, are you putting together, you know, samples of your writing and reaching out to certain people? Like, how do you really get in the door if that's the career that you're looking to to launch into? So this was now, we're talking about almost 10 years ago. So I found my first ever writing job on Craigslist, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. So, but my sort of hustle, I guess people, that's an overused term, but the way that I search for opportunities is still the same. Always, you know, now we use LinkedIn before, before that was Media Bistro. So I really was on the job boards everywhere. I'm, I'm an NYU alumna. So I was on their job board. I was looking for opportunities everywhere. And in the beginning, and, and I, you know, I, I'm a little hesitant to speak on this now because it is such an important issue to me, but I wasn't getting, I was getting, I was getting paid like five to $10 a post. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to break in and, you know, figure out a way to kind of, yeah, get my foot in the door, make a name for myself. And, and I was constantly searching for that next opportunity. I was 
always open and my head has always been on a swivel in any job and that's not to say I'm looking outside that's even with internally like I started at this website called parent society as the community manager but I wanted to do I was ready to take on bigger roles if people resigned I was always open and receptive and even at parenting my last role with Meredith the Meredith Corporation which is a huge company when they were looking for someone to take on the social in the early days I said well I'll do it you know I have no actual experience but I'll do it so I think that's just part of you know, really my success, I guess you could say, it's just always yeah. looking, always looking. And even, even when I have been completely happy at jobs and, and satisfied, I'm always kind of looking, searching, seeing what's out there. I think you can get a really great idea of a company's culture and vibe by looking at the job postings. So that's, that's some, that's kind of like a, I guess a, a tip. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's so helpful to hear because I often hear from, you know, women who are really trying to work their way up, you know, in the, not necessarily corporate world, but really just in any job, like what tips can really help you get to that next level. And like what you're saying, being able to just raise your hand, even if you don't necessarily know what you're doing in that area. There's Google, right? We just figure it out and <laughs> try to yeah. try to make it all happen. So, so that's just such really, really great advice. So now, you know, you were at Meredith for a few years and decided it was time to look for the next opportunity. How did your next role come to be? And congratulations again on starting this new role next week. Thank you so much. And I will say it was so bittersweet because I was really happy at Meredith. I loved that my name was associated kind of at the top level with parenting.com. We were really working to create a really great site. But at the end of the day, I guess I just wanted more. And I should, I don't want to feel ashamed or you know, embarrassed about saying that. I wanted to have my hands in it more as far as the feeding. So pregnancy, parenting, and women issues are really my, I don't know if I should say my bread and butter, my, my wheelhouse, right? Mm -hmm. I speak to women. I talk to women. This audience of women on their parenting journey and postpartum is everything to me. It is so important to me. So to be able to move to a place like what to expect where they're sort of, they really are the, the top of the top when you think about that audience. So to come on and when I was going through the interview process, telling them, you know, you know, I have a lot of big ideas and I want to be able to implement them. Maybe not every single one will hit, but I, I know this audience and I I've written for them for 10 years and I am this audience and all my friends and everyone in my social network. So I really just wanted to come in and, and I just wanted more. I wanted to get my hands in there dirty, really just more and just really sort of drive the conversation in the, in for that demographic. I feel like it's so important when you are starting at a new company, it's not just about, you know, they're interviewing you for the role, but you're interviewing the company for the role to really understand if it's going to be the right fit. How did you know that what to expect was going to be the best, the best new home for you and you would be able to really start implementing these incredible ideas? Yeah, well, I did a lot of research around the interview process because even though I had landed at this at Meredith, it was sort of kind of like how I said, it was kind of like almost by chance. Sure, I was the right fit, but I, I feel like I, I met someone who knew someone who connected me, right? So I didn't you go through a tra- yeah, I didn't go through a traditional interview process. And actually I had never really interviewed at that level, at the high kind of corporate level. So I really wanted to be prepared. And everything I kept reading was was what you said. It, it goes, well, it's a two-way street. So sure, you want the job, but you have to also make sure it's the right fit. So what I did was just, I asked a ton of questions. I asked the VP 
of content over there. Like, do you like working here and why? <laughs> like, yeah. what is your favorite thing about this job? And she just had glowing, glowing responses. Everybody that I talked to just felt calm, <laughs> relaxed, and proud of what they were creating. And that is the absolute culture that I want to be in and work for, especially when I, and I always talk about my, this audience, that's the audience that we're creating for. I want them to trust us, trust me. So feeling that vibe from my potential coworkers was really, really important. How many interviews did you have to go on? And were they all virtual? They were all virtual. Yeah. And I did three. I did the, the initial HR. Then I interviewed with my potential boss. boss, And then I interviewed with one of the VPs. Oh, that's awesome. For our listeners who do not know what to expect is, I know a lot about it because I watched all of those videos when I was pregnant, when the videos would say it was the nice woman who came on and shared all the different stages. Yes. (laughs) So I know a lot about what to expect, but for our listeners who might not know about what to expect, can you share a little bit about the platform? Sure. I mean, it started, my mother read these books. So it was originally a book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. And it sort of takes you through the stages of your pregnancy in in a really accessible way. And then that pivoted to digital to what to expect.com. And, you know, it's pretty much, there's an amazing app where you can track your pregnancy. We're rolling out some baby registry stuff. So it really is like the go-to site on your pregnancy and parenting journey. And I'm really excited to get in there and kind of just continue the amazing work that they're doing. And I'm also going to be doing a lot of commerce stuff, like a lot of commerce strategies. So that'll be stuff around products. I mean, as a mom, we know, I mean, and you have products of your own. So it's just like product is so important. And we spend so much money as parents while we're pregnant, those early stages. I mean, I thank God for Amazon Prime because, you know, my kid needed to wear green for St. Patty's Day. I didn't think about that. You know, it's like, yes. (laughs) And then, then of course we have like the things that like, we really need to do research on and like, who do you trust? Who do you, you know, so that's really been a, kind of a, a pivot for me too, to talk to talk about products for parents and, and really have like vetted products that I would stand behind for my own kids and for my own life. <laughs> oh, well, I cannot wait to see what you are able to, to do with this platform. And I will definitely be following along on your journey there. I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, what has surprised you the most working in this space over the years? Oh gosh, I guess what surprised me the most is that, so I've really worked primarily in parenting and parent media, but, and you would think that it, gosh, I don't know why I don't get in trouble for this. You would think that it was really kind of like a warm environment because like we're, we're creating content for parents. And so the environment is forgiving and flexible, but that's not always the case. So just because, you know, you work for a parenting website, you shouldn't assume that everyone behind the the behind the scenes is supporting you. And for example, and I, this is, and I'm not talking about Meredith. I'm talking about one of my earlier jobs. I actually interviewed for a job eight months pregnant and it was a parenting, it was a parenting website magazine and they hired me at eight months pregnant. And I came in four weeks postpartum and they didn't have like a pumping room. And I wasn't even able, I I felt uncomfortable to ask. So it was like, it was this kind of like that, that sort of thing. Like, I think that's what surprised me. You think that you're going to be supported, especially in this this sort of niche, and sometimes you're not. Actually, oftentimes you're not. <laughs> why do you why do you think that is? I mean, I feel like now there's so much more discussion, especially on social media about maternal health and mental health, especially over the past couple of years, but 
and I do th see things, it seems like things are getting better, but why do you think this isn't the norm yet? And what can we do to fix that? I just think, honestly, it's because, and we are getting, you know, louder about it, but I think, you know, I, I came in and I've heard many, many women say this, like, I just felt lucky to have the job. I felt mm -hmm. lucky to, that they employed me. I, I, I literally waddled into that office. I couldn't believe I got the job. I was eight months pregnant. So, and then I agreed to start four weeks postpartum. You know, why would it, I mean, like as a potential employer, I would, if I were to hire a pregnant woman, I would never, I would never allow them to start yeah. four weeks postpartum. You'd be like, okay, so, well, I'll see you in 12 weeks at least. Minimum. Exactly. So I think that it's just, I don't know if it's just, you know, fear or fear or that, you know, the idea of imposter syndrome or, or what, but I mean, it's total bullshit. We have to get over that. We have to advocate for ourselves. We have to rely on other women in our communities and our professional communities and, advocate for ourselves and advocate for each other. I'm really, I do love the shift that we're seeing. I think it could go even further. I would love to see it go further. So I love a lot of the stuff that's happening now, especially after that, you know, Meghan Markle gave her interview and the year that we're coming off this gut-wrenching year of 2020, along with the pandemic, you know, having so many women have to leave the workforce. It's devastating. It's something that keeps me up at night, to be honest. It's no, me too. Yeah. Me too. And look, I mean, I think we, we're going to see more mompreneurs, mompreneistas more than ever before because of what has happened over, over the past year. So hopefully these women will be able to get back into the workforce and create their own, their own job. If that's, if that's the case, but it has just been a devastating year and the numbers are, just staggering and and not okay. So I am on board with you. And that's one of the reasons we have this, this podcast and this platform so we can help provide those resources and tools to these women to either get them back out there in the in the job force or help them start and create their create their own business because we have to all stick together to to make this happen for sure. How can our listeners who are who are moms best navigate taking care of their mental health while juggling their their busy career? And I know you talk a lot about this on your Instagram too. So I have most recently sort of just labeled myself a maternal mental health advocate because and we talk a lot about, you know, this idea of postpartum depression and I would love to reframe the idea of postpartum, not just like that first or second year. I'm, my kids are five and nine and I still feel like I'm in like a postpartum phase. So I think postpartum is just after giving birth, becoming mm -hmm. a parent. So forever, <laughs> forever, forever after giving birth. So to answer the question, I think it's that we have to continually think about ourselves and, and like how I said, advocate for ourselves in the workforce. We have to advocate for ourselves at home. Mm -hmm. And if you're not comfortable asking your spouse or your partner for help, and maybe you don't even have a spouse or a partner, I, I just feel like the stigma has to go away. And I love when celebrities talk about, you know, their, their struggles with postpartum depression and, and their struggles with, with mental health because I think it just, you know, it's obviously a very humanizing topic, but we don't, it's still kind of brushed under the rug. And, you know, we deal a lot with, you know, mental health with our youth, but who's raising these people? <laughs> like we are. So, so I think it's really, it's a lot. And as mothers, we take a lot, a lot onto ourselves, but I guess, and I, I've given you a crazy long answer to your question, but I think it really, really, the simple thing is to really just start advocating for yourself and to put yourself first and not to feel bad about it. 
Yeah, not not being scared to to reach out and and ask for help. And you know, personally, like I I shared my whole infertility journey and then my complicated pregnancy journey and then you know what I've gone through with health issues after after pregnancy through my social channels and personally one on one with friends because I've just learned it's so important to share because then we're helping others and we're connecting with others. So I think the more that we can, like you're saying, like reduce this stigma, take away this stigma so we can help empower women and moms to speak out and speak up. We're, we're all going to make the world a better place for all of us and help, help advance everyone and, and help everyone. So I, I could not agree more. Up next, you'll hear the importance of personal branding and how Bethany is finding more balance this year. Bethany, we know it's just been a crazy year. 2020 was so hard on on so many businesses and things obviously have have had to change. How was your business or how was parenting affected during the pandemic? And then how did that affect you as a leader? Yeah, so we started 2020 kind of, it was like our, it was going to be our first official year of our relaunch. Like we, we relaunched mid 2019. So we really like doubling down on our efforts for 2020. We had a team of about three or four freelancers that wrote great content. They had been on for, even some of them were on before me. Unfortunately with the pandemic budgets were slashed and we did sort of our whole freelancing budget was kind of just disappeared. So that was really, really heartbreaking. And I think a lot of people can relate to that as well, because it was just, we were all just scared, I think, you know, not only was this sort of like crazy health crisis looming in the background, but media is already such a fickle professional environment. And then hearing that millions were lost in advertising and this, it was, it was really, it was a scary time. And so we ended up not, we ended up downsizing at parenting. It kind of was just like me and one other person. So for a long, long time, up until recently, I was sort of just managing myself. you know, what was it like having that pressure on yourself? You know, you don't have your team now you're experiencing the pandemic as a human, just like everyone else is. And you have children and now there's just so much uncertainty. How were you able to like personally handle and deal with everything that was put on your plate? Yeah, I I don't really recommend this, but I dove in so hardcore into my work that I completely burnt myself out by mm-hmm. the end of the year. And I, and I literally, I think I need, I needed to take like two weeks off just to be like, and it was, and then even after that, it was really hard to get back into it. But I was standing in my kitchen for eight hours at a time, running back and forth between getting my boys on their online classes and then just furiously writing content. Mm-hmm. So I, where I had not really been writing so much, I was more on the editing side and assigning and, 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 you know, vetting pitches with writers and, and stuff like that. I just, I just became, became a writer. I, I was the only one to push this content out. So it was, a, it was a crazy pivot, but that's sort of like the name of 2020, right? Everyone pivoted in 2020, but I will say it was, I'm really proud of the work I did and that I was able to do with the team at Meredith and and parenting because we served up a lot of really great content that we saw and we got great results. So while it was sort of framed around commerce and stuff that people were buying, we were one of the first websites to put up a post about where to buy face masks for kids. Mm. And I think it's still even ranking in one of the top search on this on Google. So I was really proud of and how quickly we were able to kind of push that stuff out. And I'm not sure, I, I, I would like to say it was because I was 
I was the demo, the demographic. I was also searching for these things. And my four-year-old at the time wouldn't wear a face mask. So if he's not wearing a face mask, then there must be other parents that are dealing with this. And what are some tips and tricks we can do? So it was, I really had to kind of like pull from my personal experience more than ever before. Yeah. What would you say you're most proud of that, that you accomplished last year? I will say, I think the what I was most proud of and again, I, I, I'm a little hesitant to say this because I don't recommend this for everybody, but it was my pace. Like mm-hmm. I was really, I just was crazy invested in pushing out like great stuff for our readers and reaching new readers because we saw such success where we hadn't seen it before. And our audience was just sort of like cracked wide open. So I was really trying to double down on my efforts and, and, and create as much content as I as I could and to reach as many people as I could. And that was really important to me. So I'm I'm actually professionally really proud of how I handled 2020. Personally, I probably could have taken a break and really focused on my kids more. But I and I don't want to say that they suffered for it, but where parents I saw were creating these amazing schedules and stuff for my and for their kids, I was literally just putting them in front of the computer and their Zoom classes and walking away and going back to work. So I have, you know, what's done is done, but that's that was my reality. In that moment, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, entre- entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs can relate to that. The, the sort of business side became more important. And I think we're always kind of like navigating that balance. So, but in this instant, everyone else's kids were more important than mine. <laughs> I don't know. Looking back now at the year and talking about this, have you made changes for how you're handling things now going forward in 2021? Absolutely. I have slowed down immensely. And, and this might also be why I, I changed jobs. I, mm. compl- I think I might have completely burnt myself out of my job. Mm. We're to the point where when 2021 came around, I was already like putting in like crazy vacation time and I wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I just needed to be home and my kids were in blended learning more. And so I was home alone with no work where normally I would have taken advantage of that time and work or caught up or gotten ahead on stuff. I, I burnt myself out and yeah. it, it was scary because I am someone who's really energized by their job and I live in New York city. So things are really buzzing all the time and, you know, I have energetic boys, but I was, I was done. I was done. So I'm really approaching this new role and my life now at a much more palatable pace mm-hmm. because I, I learned that the hard way, that mental health, that was a really hard mental health lesson that I, that I learned. Totally. I I set an intention, like a word intention for the year. Courtney and I have done this for the past few years. And my word for this year is balance. And I have to remind myself that literally every single day, like I have to take a half hour for myself or an hour for myself, because otherwise like I'm the same way. Like I just, you know, go, go, go. I have to like make myself put my phone down so I can be present and stay focused on, on my daughter. But it is not easy. Are there any like little tips or tricks you've discovered over the past few months that to help yourself slow down? I think I just, I close my computer and I walk away. Yep. And then so I'm, I'm always connected, you know, like I, I have my work email on my phone and mm-hmm. everything I, I like, I enjoy being connected, but it was getting to the point where it was like, I was like putting my kids to bed and I was still like, you know, so for me, it has to, it's almost like a cold Turkey thing. I have Mm -hmm. to cut myself off 
And in those moments when I'm just like also kind of being hard on myself, I also have to remind myself like, wow, you cut yourself off. Good job. You did it. Like you did it because you didn't do it yesterday. You cut yeah. yourself off. You closed the computer. You worked a normal hours and you didn't overproduce. <laughs> like, you know, you did exactly what you had to do because I have to remind myself, I'm not an entrepreneur, even though I have, I think a lot of entrepreneurial qualities in my own job, I'm still kind of, you know, driving a bottom line for someone else. <laughs> so I yeah. really have to like take the step back. I know. Absolutely. So I posted on the Instagram earlier today that we were going to be recording with you and a few people submitted questions. So one of them, and you just answered this a little bit, but maybe there's another one. So this question came through, what has been your biggest learning throughout the pandemic and any realizations or tips regarding your entrepreneurista journey? Yeah. So Part of, you know, my recent job transition and this whole idea of like slowing down was also on the other side of that was really taking time for my own passions. Yes, I'm passionate about parenting content, but I also love to be on camera and getting that message out, really tapping into this idea that, you know, I can, I'm a personality and feed this content to a larger audience. That was always something I kind of like pushed down. I was like, not really into talking about and feeling, feeling like, you know, it was kind of like this sort of like self, I don't know, it's a self-absorbed thing. And, but really it, it was, for me, it was about being creative, tapping into my creativity and, and yeah, being like a content creator. So in 2020, I was really able to pivot and do like do some on-camera stuff, which was, which was so invigorating and energizing. I think that's really kind of like kept me going through 2020. And would you mind just repeating that the second part? The second part, any other realizations or tips regarding your work journey? Okay. So I would say when something, wherever you are, if you're on, if you're an entrepreneur, if you are working for a company, if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And so being able to just stop and recognize and not being afraid to pivot, which is, you know, again, the word of the year and, and take chances on yourself. And that's really what I learned this year too. I sort of shifted from, oh, I'm just lucky to have a job. I'll just keep my head down and work to, well, I have like a lot of good things to say in this space and not everybody might want to hear them, but the people that do will find me and I'll find them and we can connect. So I think that's really where I'm at. Just like investing in yourself and, and taking time to figure out what drives you. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And we were chatting earlier before we started recording about, you know, building, building your personal brand. And I talk with business owners about this all the time. I talk with people who are in the workforce about building your personal brand, because now more than ever, it is just so important. And this is definitely something that, that you have worked very hard at and have an awesome brand that, that people recognize any tips that you can share about building your personal brand. And did that help you in terms of getting your next role? Oh, absolutely. So, and I will be completely honest. I actually worked with somebody. I worked with a brand building expert slash media coach. That's great. Yeah. So, and again, it, it was, it wasn't cheap, but I knew that I was in such, I was stuck but, you know, feeling that this, I like, I know that I want something else, but I'm not sure how to get it. 
So I hired someone to help me and I had six sessions and it went from kind of like on-camera media training to brand building and mm -hmm. identifying how you want to show up, not only on camera, but in your life. Her name is Barbara Barna Abel. Anyone who, you know, she really is more of a media person, but she coaches C-suite execs and on just like how to be, yeah, just how you want to show up. So I did the work to be honest. So branding, you can't just decide, you can, I guess, decide yeah. when they, oh, I want to be like this, but you know, if it's going to really, you have to really invest in, I guess, these resources and I'm not saying you have to hire somebody, but because there are definitely there's books, there's free, free resources, but you have to do the work on yourself and figure out these, these points. I mean, I was coached not only in my, how, in like my words and my tone, but I also like even down to what I wear and, you know, and, you know, I'm from New York city and to maybe let that, my accent come out sometimes and, you know, like, like, like it's okay. It's all part of being authentically who you are. And so I would say if you're interested in becoming, you know, a brand for yourself, you gotta, it, it's not easy. Even though you're talking about yourself, you got to put in that work and get help wherever you can. Yes, I, I agree. It definitely is work and it, and it takes time. And look, even just putting together one Instagram post every day, it's all time consuming. It all takes time. Nothing is it's as exhausting. easy as it, as it looks, but the reward, the connections you can make, the brand that you can build your ultimate goals, like that's all waiting for you at the, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but Nothing comes easy without hard work for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And actually I will say something that has been life. I was actually telling my father this yesterday. It has been game changing professionally has been clubhouse. <laughs> and I know for your audience, especially I, there are so many entrepreneur rooms that I've just dropped into and then you can, I was in there a room, I think yesterday with Alex Ohanian, like uh, Serena Williams husband, like you can really connect to these people and listen to what they have to say. That has really been game changing for me. And it has kind of confirmed everything that I've like done, like been doing, like trying to like work for myself and get myself out there and feeling just inspired. And of course, connections and making and relationships the, that that has been like a priceless experience on Clubhouse. Absolutely. I am so glad you brought up Clubhouse because we haven't talked too much about Clubhouse yet on the podcast, but it is just an incredible platform to be able to connect with people that you would probably never have the opportunity yeah. to meet with or connect with. And you're dropping into these rooms and they're there. And like you said, you can really position yourself as a thought leader on Clubhouse, doing a lot of similar things that, that we do on Instagram, like, you know, positioning yourself as a thought leader in your bio and sharing the proper links, following people, starting these one-on-one -on -one connections and conversations. So I'm so glad you brought that up. And we have an entrepreneurista club that we just started as well. Oh, I'm so, joining. Yes, yeah. join, join. Uh, as soon as we finish recording, I'll invite you. So you'll you'll get a ping into the, into the group. But we're starting entrepreneurista office hours where members of our community can come on for entrepreneurista lunch office hours, chat with other entrepreneuristas, ask them questions about business and scaling and whatever else they're looking to learn just so everyone can get access to these women that have already built these businesses or women like yourself who have worked their way up within, within companies and can have those quick, easy conversations and not have to send a hundred messages or emails or LinkedIn messages to get access. So we're all about Clubhouse right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it really is great because like you said, it's like you can hustle your butt off sending a million emails a day, but the response is instantaneous on Clubhouse. You can get feedback from some of these top, top people out there in, a, in an instant. And it, it's really a great way to monetize too, because I mean, you can, people, you know, give themselves shout 
shout outs and calls to action on there all the time. So totally. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling you're going to be doing stuff with what to expect on uh, Clubhouse, huh? I hope so. That would be amazing. Yeah. Up next, why positive thinking and manifestations can make a world of difference. All right, Bethany, this was not talked about ahead in our prep for this interview, but we're doing a fun new segment now where we do rapid fire questions and answers. So the first thing that comes to your mind, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Describe yourself in three words. Persistent, energetic, and oh, oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm a New Yorker. Like I have that no BS sensibility. I don't know. (laughs) That was like more than three words, but like. (laughs) If you could learn one new skill tomorrow, what would it be? It would be video editing, video Mm. editing, cutting and putting together a video package. It's, it's hard, but yeah, that would be what I would do. I love that. What is your most used emoji when you text? I love the, just the classic red heart. Mm -hmm. I actually have a red heart tattoo that I got when I was 18. I love the red heart. I said that it's like kind of like my exclamation point. I'm yeah. Totally overused. <laughs> I think this is why we're like totally on the same wavelength. I feel like uh, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> what is the app on your phone that you cannot live without? Okay, this is actually great. Okay, so the app on my phone that I cannot live without and I paid $20 for the year is called I Am. You get notifications, I think like every half an hour and maybe you can change it, but it's just like positive mantras. Mm -hmm. Like here's one, being successful feels good and it pops up. And sometimes the weird synchronicity like happens, like maybe like before a big call or something, something will pop up and you can set it to talk about work, health, relationships. So it's called I Am. I, I am. I pay $20 for the year. And it's great because I really love to get that. Cause you know, I, I just love, I believe in that kind of like positive thinking yes. manifestation. So I, I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have more things to recommend if that's up your alley. Cause I'm into all that stuff. <laughs> oh too. yes, please. <laughs> Do you have a hidden talent? I can salsa dance. I, um, so I learned, I did a semester abroad in London and learned to dance over there and came back home and and kept, kept taking classes and teaching and sort of my cool, I guess, yeah, hidden talent is that I can teach anybody to do it. I don't care wow. if you have two left feet, where you're from, what your age is. I can teach you how to successfully get on the dance floor and dance the salsa song. <laughs> well, follow-up question. Are you teaching over Zoom right now? Because it sounds like a fun fun activity. (laughs) I haven't taught in years. I actually was teaching all through my first pregnancy. I was spinning with that belly. And then when I pivoted to journalism and media, I just, it just kind of fell by the wayside. I didn't have the time. All the classes are kind of like from six to nine and I was being a mom. So yeah, I, I would love to, I've gone out socially, but I haven't taught in years. Yeah. My last rapid fire question is if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, I was talking, I talk about this with my boys all the time because they're so into superheroes and mine would be to just teleport, to just be able to be somewhere like in an instant (laughs) because the getting ready is so hard. (laughs) I think that's like the New York thing, right? Because it just like takes forever to get everywhere. So if you could just get ready and then snap your fingers and be somewhere. Getting them out the door. And of course we always forget something. (laughs) So it's just like, oh, please, let's just get there, please. Totally. I want to hear a little bit about what your day-to-day is like now, working, being a mom. Are your kids back in school? Or are they still working or schooling remotely? 
so we took my third grader, my eight-year-old will be almost nine. We actually took him out mid-year because he was really struggling with the mm. blended, the, not even blended. He was really just kind of like online full-time and he just like, not just, you know, academically, but his whole like demeanor, he was a happy, energetic, athletic kid. And he was just kind of turn into this like lump he didn't want to do anything and that was just we were like no 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 we need to get you back in so we transferred him into a parochial school in December and he has it has just been game changing his mm. his whole vibe is he's like he's like he's back you know so that that has been amazing he loves the, he just loves going there so we're so happy and grateful that that happened and then my kindergartner is in blended learning and that's a struggle because he's little and he misses his friends and even when he's in school he talks about you know having to kind of just like sit at his desk he doesn't get to play I mean we know that's such an play is such an important part of that age being in kindergarten that's how you learn that's how you're making friends that's how you're, you're socializing so I think he really misses that so and again and, and also living in New York City is, has had its challenges too, but now that the weather's warming up, thank God we can go outside. We're going to go outside this afternoon and let them run around. So. Oh, good. Good, good. What would you say is a recent lesson you've just learned about being a parent going through all of this? You know, it's not a recent lesson, but it's something that I have to kind of constantly remind myself of. And it sort of hits me like so hard sometimes is that, I have to raise my kids as they are, not how I want them to be mm -hmm. or how I envision them to be. They are human beings that are put on this planet with their own hopes, their own dreams, their own wants, their own needs. And I have to really respect that. You know, I'm still mom, but I really have to kind of like remember to respect them when they tell me something like, what they want if it doesn't go you know it's not sort of aligned with what I'm thinking and now you don't want that oh okay he wants that okay I'm gonna give it to him <laughs> so okay <laughs> what do you what do you say in those moments you know I've been catching myself like it's not something we do so much you know because my boys are pretty outspoken they can definitely advocate for themselves when they want something but I think when it comes to kind of like my older son, he's very athletic. He loves to do little league. He wants to be in every sport. He wants to do soccer. He wants to do basketball. So we're like, okay, well, my, we'll put the little one in that, in uh, sports too. And he's like, no, I want to do art. I want to be, I want to create. And so sometimes, and so we're like, oh no, you got to do t-ball. Like baseball season's coming. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta suit up like your brother and do t-ball. It's fine. He'll be outside. And so, and he's just like, not into it. He yeah. wants, you know, so it's like, all right. And then also with the stuff that they like, I'm like, you know, like, oh, this isn't like, why are you watching this? But it's like, okay, like that they love it. You know, it's a kid show. <laughs> so I have to remember to kind of just like back off a little bit and just let them be who they are. Totally. And I know it's not easy. And look, my, my daughter, she's 21 months old. So right yeah. now, I mean, I just impose all <laughs> the things that I love on her. But as soon as she starts telling me things, I'll, I'm, I will do my best to listen. But for now, she's listening to Broadway show tunes every day. <laughs> ah! Wait, we are twin souls yes. because that is like my, like that's how, how I clean. My house would not get clean if we didn't have Broadway show tunes to listen to. Like Sound of Music, West Side Story, Chicago, like are blasting all the time. I don't know. What are your favorites? <laughs> oh my, well, so I played Mary in The Secret Garden when I was younger. So I love The Secret Garden, but I'm a big 
a big Annie person. So yes, yes. She's listening to Annie. I mean, Frozen, the musical, obviously, because what little child does not listen to Frozen, but yeah, I mean, Pippin, I mean, I I play everything for her. I try, I try to play one soundtrack over and over again. So she hears all the music and then we move on to the next one. My fair lady. Can you get that on the radar too? My parents did that. We listened to the whole score from first, like in the car, like, you know, oh God, I love it. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that I'm imposing on her for now until I hear otherwise, but she seems to love it and she's, she seems musically inclined. So we'll take it. <laughs> good, good. Bethany, do you have a favorite mantra or quote that defines you? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty popular, but it's do no harm, take no shit. So I live my life. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it kind of doesn't need explanation. I kind of just leave it out there, but just, yeah, do no harm, take no shit. <laughs> love it. Is there anything you wish you knew when you first started your career that you know now that you would tell your younger self or tell someone who's first starting out on their career journey? Yeah, I would say to just be less afraid Mm -hmm. because if you are a good, if you're a good, smart, hardworking person, things will work out for you. And don't be afraid to advocate for yourself in moments when you're feeling kind of stepped all over. So, so true. Have you had mentors over the years in the industry? I have, but I'm still kind of, you know, I've had like mentors here and there. That is something that I just sort of, it's kind of like a daydream of mine. Like, like I just want, you know, like Hoda Kotb to call me and be like, come under my wing and I'll take care of you. <laughs> like, you know, something like that. So I haven't had like the mentor and I, I am open if anyone wants to come <laughs> mentor me, but I know, and, but to sort of, you know, pivot there, it's like, I know how important that is. And I am so open to mentoring others. And I think, yeah. you know, we didn't talk about it so much, but my management style is people first because, mm-hmm. you know, life is crazy. So maybe I'll never get that mentor. Like I, like I daydream about, but hopefully I'll get to mentor somebody in my career that will be really impactful. Well, I have a feeling one of our listeners might might reach out to you because you just Please. put that offer out there. Please. And we can also tag Hoda in this when this when this episode <laughs> airs. I don't know if I told you, I, I did meet Hoda because I was on a, I'll have to send you the Today Show segment that I was on, but she was wonderful. Everything. And she's and on my vision board behind me. It's actually <laughs> hidden behind this. So she's oh my on goodness. my vision board. <laughs> All right. We, we will definitely be tagging, tagging Hoda in this. She needs, <laughs> she needs to hear this. <laughs> what would you say you're, you're most grateful for every day? Oh my goodness. You know, it's sort of just an obvious one, but everyone's healthy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's happy. We've dealt with my, I, we lost my mother-in-law to, to cancer not too long ago. And it's something like that. Just, it's like the wake up call of your life, right? Like to lose a family member that's just so close to you. And so every day that we're here and healthy and laughing, that's all I can really be grateful. That's it. That's all I need. (laughs) It's so true. Without, without health, I say this all the time without our health, we don't, we don't have anything. We have to, to have our health. So, so, so important. Yeah. If you can share one last piece of essential career advice for our entrepreneurista audience, what could you share? I would say to always listen to that inner voice and to make sure that you're fanning those flames. I know I threw a lot of like cliches out there just now, but I will say I'm reading a book right now called Bevelations. It's an it's a memoir by Bevy Smith. She was this fashion ad, top fashion ad exec who pivoted to left her job at Vibe and Rolling Stone to go live a creative life. And it took years for her to kind of like fully get there. But even that journey of, of just like 
fulfilling her purpose is, is so important. And that's kind of where I'm at in my career. I was reading this book and I was sort of like, it was sort of like mirroring what I was going kind of feeling like, I want to stay in my industry, but I want to do it my way, <laughs> not to quote Frank Sinatra or whatever, but I, you know, it's important. You, you have to just honor yourself in the process. And I think that's why we're seeing so many moms and women go on this journey of being an entrepreneur because they have something so important to give and to offer and they have to honor it. I mean, pushing that down every day is not fun. So whatever it is that drives you, honor it, go after it with everything you got. Bethany, my last question for you is what does being an intrapreneista mean to you? You know, I think that wherever you are, if you're in the corporate world or, you know, what, you know, you're just kind of getting started, maybe you're, you know, working retail. I think the most important thing about being an entrepreneur, and I'm sort of just like reiterating stuff that I've already said for this podcast is just really like advocating for yourself and your, your mission, like whatever it is sort of like your higher power or your calling. I think Oprah talks about this a lot. Like what were you put on this earth to do? And then just take steps every day to do that, whether you're working in a big organization or not. I mean, I've only ever worked for big companies and big organizations, but I've always managed to, and maybe, you know, I had three steps forward, two steps back kind of thing, but I always really try to advocate for my professional beliefs. And, and maybe that means having to pivot or whatever, but I think think just like keeping that your core values wherever you are. And even if you're like, like I said, driving the bottom line for another, for, for a big corporation, you're still part of the picture. And so you, you play an important part in all of that. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Well, thank you so, so much for sitting down with me over Zoom and, and recording this. And I've learned so much just from speaking with you and hearing about your journey. Where can everyone find you, follow you? And of course, if they're looking to now follow what to expect, where can, where can they follow you over there? So I'm on Instagram at Bethany Braun Silva. I'm at Clubhouse at Bethany Braun because you only have a 15 character limit there. And then of course, whattoexpect.com or at whattoexpect on Instagram and the same at, at Facebook at whattoexpect. We're, we're all easy to find. Perfect. Well, thank you again. I'm Stephanie and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. Thanks for listening.